is America with Rich Valdez, powered by PolitiWeek.com. And Rich Valdez is with us, former Christie administration official. You work for Chris Christie, you've been in politics, done a lot of public service stuff. Rich Valdez, columnist now with the Washington Times. This is America. Richie V, you're on the air with the nation. This is America with your host, Rich Valdez. What's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, your liberty-loving Latino amigo right here, 17 miles away from Madison Square Garden, New York City. Feliz Navidad! Merry Christmas, everybody. It is a pleasure to be here with you guys, and as we're celebrating Christmas, we're uh, enjoying our family and our friends, there's still plenty to discuss, of Of course, we're going to talk a little bit about the story of Christmas. Uh, We've got an excellent guest coming up in a little bit. We've got Raymond Arroyo from the uh, EWTN, Eternal World Television Network. That's the Catholic channel. And he's going to tell us a little bit about uh, three wise men, three kings. Guess what? That's fake news, right? (laughs) There really isn't three of them. So he's going to break that down for us in the next uh, two segments. But right now, I want to get into uh, a story Because the biblical Christmas story, the one that announces the birth of Jesus, seems so sweet, it can appear almost uh, bittersweet at times to some people. It's so often told as a children's story and a sentimental one that not everybody really gets it all the time. But it is deeply political and has been from the very beginning. The oldest uh, parts of the text that record the birth of Jesus go out of their way to locate him in his political setting. Moreover, they portray him as a threat to that empire. So clearly it's no children's story. And this is uh, something I'm reading from the text, excuse me, theconversation.com. It goes on to describe how the political connections of from, from David to Herod to the time of Jesus, that there was still political turmoil back then, just like there is today. And I think that's important to realize because with our government giving themselves a Christmas gift to avoid a government shutdown, issuing themselves, what is it, 1.7 trillion with a T, trillion dollars, I think uh, we're in trouble, right? I think we're in trouble with this one. This is a lot of spending. And uh, Senator Rand Paul, he uh, made some comments about the way that the federal government is spending this money or in reality wasting this money every uh christmas season Rand paul releases what he calls his festivus report listing many of his grievances with how the federal government wastes our money the latest report is out and it's a doozy it's highlighting the example of how our money's being wasted check this out it was the week before christmas and through the senate and house not a creature was stirring not even a mouse The earmarks were hung by the chimney with care in hopes that St. Nicholas soon would be there. The senators were nestled all snug in their beds while visions of pork danced in their heads. No budget was found, just mischief and debt while the taxpayers hung their poor heads and wept. When out on the lawn there arose such a clatter, senators sprang from their oxygen. What was the matter? Away to the window they flew like a flash tore open the shutters when they heard the word cash. The moon on the breasts of the new-fallen snow gave the luster of midday to objects below, when what to my wondering eyes should appear but a 4,000-page omni with endless debt year after year. With a little old driver, so lively and quick, I knew in a moment it must be St. Nick. More rapid than eagles, his coursers they came, and he whistled and shouted and called them by name. 
now McConnell, now Schumer, now Pelosi and Vixen, on Biden, on Stupid, on Dumber and Blitzen, to debt, to bankruptcy, to free money for all. Now dash away, dash away, more cash for all. <laughs> now listen to this. Here's number one on Rand Paul's list. Number one is $4.5 billion in improper small business loans. As part of the government's massive multi-trillion dollar stimulus efforts, the Small Business Administration gave out 44,920 loans that were likely not eligible or fraudulent to the tune of $4.5 billion that was wasted. Crazy, right? And this is according to basedpolitics.com. That's nearly 40% of the total loans given out. This is just phenomenal. Number two, $140 million on a luxury spa in Florida. As part of the COVID-19 money that was spent, the federal government gave out a bailout for state and local governments, and they were giving it out like candy on Halloween. (laughs) I have to agree with that. Perhaps uh, it was unsurprising. But some of it was truly absurd for like uh, in Broward County, Florida, they spent $140 million of federal COVID relief money to build 800 room hotel, an 800 room luxury hotel overlooking the Atlantic Ocean that includes a 30,000 square foot uh, pool deck, a rooftop bar and an 11,000 square foot spa with fitness center. Um, This is, uh, I mean... The things you find out when you do a little bit of research is, is incredible. The third thing on his list of seven that is uh, the biggest gross expenditures and wastes of our tax dollars is number three, $31.5 million to help criminals buy luxury cars. The federal government's COVID-19 benefit program put together so quickly that it didn't realize there were a few guardrails that had become a scammer's dream. Senator Paul highlights one glaring example of the runaway fraud that criminals used $31.5 million in federal COVID relief money, uh, much of which wasn't even recovered in order to buy luxury cars, including Corvettes, Porsches, Lamborghinis, and Ferraris. Wow. I want to say that this sounds like a Babylon Bee story. Lamentably, it's not. We will go on. Number four, American schools are failing many students, but our federal government spent hundreds of million dollars trying to improve education in random Middle Eastern countries. That's right. According to this report, the Fed spent $210 million to build schools and improve the Ministry of Education and much more. Where? In the country of Jordan. Number five, $3 million injecting hamsters with steroids. The federal government has given Northeastern University more than $3 million to inject these little critters with steroids and watch them fight. According to Senator Paul's report, this sounds almost as cruel as it is pointless. Number six, $118,000 to study Thanos' finger snapping. Marvel nerds will get a kick out of this one. The federal government actually gave Georgia Tech more than $118,000 to study whether Thanos could really have snapped his fingers, as he famously, uh, famously did in the 2018 movie The Avengers Infinity War while wearing metal gloves. They concluded that this fictional scene was not, in fact, possible, answering the burning question at the top of millions of Americans' minds. Unbelievable. Number seven, $1.7 billion to maintain empty buildings. The federal government is so incompetent that it can't even 
sell unused properties. As a result, it has spent billions of dollars maintaining these empty buildings, according to this report by Senator Rand Paul, in a very depressing but deeply symbolic farce of upholding these properties. The total, all in all, identified by Rand Paul's report was more than $482 billion in waste. That comes out to an astounding $3,300 per federal taxpayer. What would you have done with an extra three grand this year? I can tell you that with an extra three grand this year, I probably would have taken my kids on a cross-country trip to California because those trips are so expensive. It's expensive down there. The airline costs a ton. That's usually why I go somewhere a little bit more local like Florida. But fascinating to me, that we spend this much money and that nobody, I think most people don't know, which is why I'm highlighting this here because I think this is kind of crazy. It's Christmas in the swamp for the politicians. Now, that was Rand Paul. A couple of uh, funny things here. Uh, Speaking of Florida a moment ago, there are frozen iguanas falling from trees and this is actually becoming a new tradition in Florida uh, for Christmas. This is according to Newsweek. I know this is crazy, but I want you to hear this because I thought this was interesting. During this week's Arctic blast, the forecast for Florida is cold with a chance of falling iguanas. But fear not. The scaly skydivers aren't dead. They're just cold. Iguanas are cold-blooded, and at night, with no sun uh, to provide solar warmth, they become turpid, so they can't even move. Uh, William Kern, he's a professor and reptile expert at the University of Florida, told Newsweek. Wow, look at that. So during the cold snap in early January, many users took to social media to share photos of the strange phenomenon of these. They just look like they keel over and drop dead. But once they warm up, they come back to life. So, yes, they are still alive, just slow and stunned from the cold temperatures. Um, And this is just fascinating to me. It makes you think, does this happen? If you think if it gets really cold, is this why they take a vacation in Washington, D.C.? Right. Is this why they say, all right, you know, we're taking our Christmas break because if they don't take this Christmas break, well, oh, boy, you know, we might have a problem here, Houston. Right. I don't know. These swamp creatures, these reptilians that are in Washington are really something else. Uh, I find that fascinating. But before we pause and bring in Raymond Arroyo to talk about the three wise men, the three kings that are not really three So we're going to explain all of that with Raymond Arroyo coming straight ahead. Plus, we're going to wrap it up all the way in the fourth segment. So don't go anywhere. I am Rich Valdez. By the way, I've got a brand new nationally syndicated show that I want you to check out if you get a chance. Uh, It may not be available on this station, but you could get it electronically or on other stations if it's available there. Uh, We plan to get it on this station as best we can. But make sure you check it out. It's called America at Night with Rich Valdez. We're going to be launching with an interview with President Donald Trump uh, in the second week of the brand new year 2023 so keep your ears open for that we've also got Stephen A. Smith coming in for an interview so it's an interview show it's a brand new project I'm working on 10 at night to 1 in the morning I think you're really going to enjoy it I hope you can tune in and if you miss it at night always check out the podcast we'll have all of those amazing interviews um, in the podcast of America at Night with Rich Valdez where we do it live so check that out if you get a chance and I will be right back don't go anywhere this is America this is America This is America. He's brown, he's bald, and he's breaking it down. Oh, he's so handsome. What's his name? Rich Valdez. Racism, anti-Semitism, homophobia, transphobia, they're all connected. But the antidote to hate is love. This law 
and the love it defends strike a blow against hate in all its forms. And that's why this law matters to every single American, no matter who you are or who you love. This shouldn't be about conservative or liberal, red or blue. No, this is about realizing the promise of the Declaration of Independence, a promise rooted in a sacred and secular beliefs, a promise that we're all created equal. We're all entitled to what Abraham Lincoln called an open field and a fair chance. All right, folks, my head is spinning. That's, of course, President Joe Biden. I am Rich Valdez. Welcome back, America. And that was President Joe Biden at the White House before signing the Respect for Marriage Act, saying that this is about realizing the promise of the Declaration of Independence. So our independence from England was realized in this same-sex marriage bill. Wow. That was a lot of words by Joe Biden. I want to bring in our guest. You guys know Raymond Arroyo from EWTN, the Eternal World Television Network. You also know him from Laura Ingram's show on the Fox News Channel. He's the host and managing editor over at The World Over on EWTN. And he's the author of the brand new book, The Wise Men Who Found Christmas. Raymond Arroyo, welcome, sir. Oh, Rich, always a pleasure to be with you. Thank you for having me. Likewise. So you just heard the president there. I always find him to be uh, somewhat entertaining, despite disappointing. He makes this correlation between the defense or excuse me, the Respect for Marriage Act and the Declaration of Independence. What say you, Raymond Arroyo? Well, I don't really know what any of this had to do with anything. I mean, look, uh, the, the the gay marriage was legal under the right. Supreme Court ruling, the Augerfeld decision. Uh, the, and the other caveat to this bill that he signed to such fanfare, thousands of people on the South Lawn, it was like an Easter egg roll. Only this time, those rolling were the American people and their freedoms. Um, I, I, here's my big concern. Uh, you have our First Amendment speech and religious rights that are under attack here because the concern for members of Congress when this bill was being debated was, look, nobody's looking to outlaw or demonize gay people who are who are married in this state or that. But isn't won't this stifle conversation and the ability of houses of worship, schools that are that are religiously motivated to speak the truth of their creeds about the nature of marriage? Won't this impede that? And when Mike Lee tried to float an amendment to this bill, it was shot down. That would have protected those free speech and religious rights. So what's being set up here? I don't know how this is com- comports with the Declaration of Independence. In fact, it puts constitutional rights at war with each other, um, despite the fanfare and whatever Joe Biden was reading in his teleprompter. Who knows? But uh, mm-hmm. it, it, it is a very perplexing piece of law. Uh, and I didn't realize that interracial marriages were in any way being contested in 2022, but apparently they were because he added that on for good measure. <laughs> uh, really well put. And I, I agree with you. I think uh, this is a Trojan horse. I think what you what you uh, honed in on was that this is really an attack on religious liberty and they wrapped it and cloaked it in this respect for marriage, which whether you respect marriage or don't is is beside the point, because like you mentioned, marriage was legal everywhere. There, there wasn't a way to get around it. And my thinking is, 
is is do we blame this on the media? Do we blame it on a lack of civics education, on a lack of activism? Uh, who is it that's not holding who accountable that these things are happening today? Well, Rich, in, in the same way that the, the pro-life movement, I think, was used by Republicans for many, many, many years to whip up the base, garner votes and excite the base about their party. You see uh, the, the gay movement and gay Americans being used by the Democratic Party in this way, whether this was needed or not. It was a way to kind of excite that base. And that's really who turned out today. Um, that's what this was about. But constitutionally speaking, look, I was there, Rich, in 1996 when mm-hmm. Bill Clinton signed the Defense of Marriage Act, when right. Democrats and Republicans agreed that, uh, you know, only straight people could be married and that this was in keeping with the general thrust of moral teaching and the the general acceptance of society. Now, look, society's clearly shifted. So this is in part a response to that, but to not protect adequately religious and and free speech rights, I think, will be an ongoing source of difficulty for us. And we'll see it play out in the courts, sadly, in the days ahead. Now, I want to shift gears a little bit uh, and get your take on this Sam Bankman Freed. Uh, he was due to speak today in front of um, a House committee, but lucky for him, he gets arrested by the DOJ. So now he has the right to remain silent and he'll probably lawyer up and not say anything. Do you think, uh, and again, my speculation is that this was probably coordinated that way, but uh, maybe that's just me wearing a tinfoil hat, Raymond Arroyo. Well, look, Rachel, who, who really knows, but I, I, I'll put it this way. From the same people that brought you the the Hunter Biden laptop was Russian disinformation. Okay, these are the same people who now you see are pushing this absurdist uh, idea that, you know, we basically can silence a witness, a witness who stole millions and millions of dollars, who was also a major Democratic donor. Uh-huh. Um, you know, if, if this were if this were Steve Wynn or, uh, you know, one of the, the, the casino magnets that give to Republicans and he'd made off with millions and millions of dollars. And there was a congressional hearing and he was arrested the day before his congressional hearing and the Republicans were in charge. You might think there's some chicanery underway. Right. Yeah, I think they'd say Trump did it needs to be asked. Yeah. Right, exactly. And I, I agree with that. I think this guy, I think he's on record as the second largest donor to uh, the different Dem- Democrat campaigns. And now all That's of a sudden he's, he's been silenced and uh, nobody knows anything about this guy. So I think this is a, a, a very big deal. Okay. Yeah, we need answers. We need answers. That's for sure. Do you think we're going to get them? Well, uh, not, not as long as the, the current, uh, well, you might get them in the next Congress. Who knows? But at that point, He's going to be, um, you know, the, the, this this uh, 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 crypto billionaire is going to be at that point uh, in federal custody. So who knows if we'll get the answers? I mean, you may have to wait for the for the, the trial to play out. But how extensive that will be or what will be provided with there, who knows? Now, there is a piece uh, in Fox News that uh, is from yesterday. And this was interesting. I think uh, they, they had... Um, Franklin Graham on. And one of the points that came out of this, which I found interesting, was that 
two in five Americans, or nearly half of Christians, believe that we are living in the end times. Now, I'm no expert on eschatology, but I, I, I know that in my time as a, as a follower of Christ, I've always encountered people that felt like, this is it, we're in the end days. And I guess, in a manner of speaking, we always are in those end days because of, That's you know... That's exactly correct. You took the words out of my mouth. We're yeah. always... Look, the apostles thought they were in the end times. Uh, I think the next generation of Christians thought they were in the end times. During World War One and Two. they thought they were in the end times. So, right. look, there's a reason Jesus has that great line, no man shall know the day or the hour. Absorb that teaching and just yeah. rest, stop worrying about the end times. Your end times is going to come sooner or later. Uh, whether whether it's the end times, your time will come, <laughs> and that's what you need to focus on. You know, uh, I remember my wife and I knew a, a very holy woman, and she was often talking about the second coming and, and that, that, you know, God was coming soon and the end times were here. And uh, my wife in her 20s said, just because her end times are coming doesn't mean ours are coming. And I think that's a good <laughs> barometer. Uh, you, you just have to sort of, you know, uh, you, you have to be faithful every moment. And you know that line, you will work out your salvation in fear and trembling. Um, that should be the posture we all assume, because we don't know when the end is coming for us. So stop worrying about when the end is coming for all of us. Uh, excellent point. Uh, now, I want to just remind everybody that we are on with Raymond Arroyo. He's the host and managing editor of The World Over, live on EWTN. And he's a Fox News contributor. You've seen him on Fox News Channel, and he does a great job with Laura Ingram. Uh, he's also the author of the book, The Wise Men Who Found Christmas. So I want to invite you guys, if you have a call or a question or comment uh, for Raymond Arroyo, you can give us a call, 866-505-4626, 866-50-JIMBO is the phone number. Now, Raymond Arroyo, when we uh, come back from this break, we've had you on, we talked about the book, but I felt like there was still a lot to discuss about the book because I was fascinated by the revelation yeah. that you said there's not three wise men <laughs> and, and they weren't That's from true. Persia. <laughs> so we'll get, we'll wanna... get into it. And there's a new Fox Nation special, which I'll tell you about on the other side of the break. Outstanding. So, folks, don't go anywhere because we're going to get into that. We're also going to continue this conversation that we're having with Raymond Arroyo uh, from EWTN. Don't go anywhere. And again, uh, get at me on the uh, Instagram or on Twitter or whatever, whichever one. They're all the same. At Rich Valdez with an S. At Rich Valdez with an S on all the social media. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. This is America. The 45th President, Donald Trump, thinks it's an honor to speak with Rich Valdez. Oh, very good. It's an honor. Thanks, Rich. The honor is all yours. Conservative talk with a dash of sofrito. Now, here's Rich Valdez. Welcome back. And that's right. It is Rich Valdez. We are here with our guest. Our guest is Raymond Arroyo. He's the host and managing editor of The World Over live on EWTN. He's a Fox News contributor and he is the author of 
the wise men who found Christmas. And I was going to say the three wise men who found Christmas. But I know. If you were well, listening. everybody mm-hmm. says that, Rich. You're not yeah. alone. <laughs> you see? And that's why we played that song. But it, it, it's fascinating because you say in this new book that that's not the case. Tell us more. No, it is not the case. Look, every, almost everything we know about the wise men, and this is the subject of a new, not only my picture book, but a new documentary that drops tomorrow on Fox Nation. And uh, it's, called, it's called The Wise Men Who Found Christmas. And it is about the true research, the, the true history of these wise men. Um, you know the song. You played it on the way. You know, we three kings of Orient are. And, yeah. um, we, and we, we've taken that to heart and seen the Christmas pageants and the statues and Three Kings Day. The truth is that none of that is true. They are not, there were not three of them. They were not kings, and they were not from the Far East. Now, how do I know that? You know, some people get upset. You're destroying tradition. No, I'm not. I'm restoring tradition. Because if you go back to the first century, Justin Martyr, um, uh, uh, Clement of Rome, they all say that wise men came from Arabia, the immediate east. And the Coptic Church says there were 60 wise men. Syrian and Armenian documents from the first and second century says there were 12 wise men. The gospel only talks, Rich, about three gifts, not three wise men. But we just assume, oh, well, there are three gifts, there are three wise men. Not necessarily. Um, and, and when you consider Magi served a king, there may have been more than, there certainly were more than three of them, because they were, they were astrologers, mathematicians, theologians, stargazers. I mean, they, did, they, they had a number of functions as Magi. So these Magi were wise men. They were consultants to the king. But the question is, why does Matthew open his gospel with them? This precedes the birth of Christ. Why? And why do they go out and risk their lives, which I discovered when I delved into the research, uh, and, I, and I spent eight months immersed in this, and I'm still learning more every day. Why would they risk their lives to go to Herod? Herod was a murderous king, but that's their first stop when they get to Judea. Well, they have to do that because they're serving a king in an adjoining kingdom. So you have to go pay respects to the king. And they imagined, like the king they served in Nabatea, which is Arabia, uh, it's modern-day Petra. That's very likely where these wise men were. The gifts tell us that, which I'll get to in a second. But uh, they had to go pay homage to the king, and they assumed he either had a son, a new son, or a new grandson who was to be the new king of Judea. So they naturally go and ask Herod, hey, where's the new baby? And he says, I'm the only king of the Jews. What are you talking about? And then he sends them forth and says, go and find this kid. And when you find him, call me so I can come worship him. Well, we know how he worshiped his own children, Rich. He killed three of them and a wife to protect his throne. He was not the kindest, most gentle of of kings. So they really were risking their lives by even undertaking this journey. So I've just restored the historical accuracy and context of the story. Uh, it, it still conforms to the scripture. In fact, it's more true to the gospel account and the timeline than we've been led to believe. And then those nativity uh, figurines lead you to believe. They did not go to the nativity, by the way. They didn't find the Christ child till <laughs> months, probably two years later. He was in his terrible twos. Wow. You know, it's interesting. Yeah. You know, in in uh, Growing up, this, this tradition of um, 
Three Kings Day uh, in Spanish is not really called Three Kings Day. It's called El Día de los Reyes Magos, right? Uh, the the day of the um, of the Magi kings. And Correct. it's uh, it's interesting that it's um, there is no three in them. And I I didn't really realize it till later on. And again, from the imagery and because yes. of the gifts, like it was gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Were those the gifts? Did I get it right? Yes, those are the three gifts. You got them right. And you know that title. I love that, you know, it's the day of the, you could call it the day of the royal magi, right? I mean, that's another way to translate it. And that may be the most true depiction in popular culture that we have. So look, we Hispanics get it right again. Um, the, but that, 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 uh, that moniker might be the best. Here's why. There's a woman, Margaret Barker, who's one of the researchers I came across. She's Cambridge educated, translates ancient languages for the Jordanian government. And I mean, she's an incredible woman, but her specialty is first century Judea, first century uh, uh, Jerusalem. And she believes, and I think she's right. I'm more partial to this. They may, these Magi may well have been Persian priests in exile, but more, more likely, I think, is they were descendants of the royal priesthood of Jerusalem, the first temple priesthood, the order of Melchizedek. So the the day of the royal magi might be right because they were royal priests of the royal priesthood. Now, let's get into those three gifts for a minute. Those three sure. gifts, Rich, were only found, only made and traded from the kingdom of Nabatea in modern-day Petra. So that's how we sort of know that's where they're from. The gold mines of Midian were there, the, also called the King Solomon's Mines in the kingdom of Nabatea in the first century. Frankincense and myrrh is made from tree sap, only grown in southern Arabian trees, and that's where they harvested it. They produced it. So when, they, when, when the king of Nabatea sends his wise men to Judea, he sends the most precious commodities they have. Now, there may be a religious compunction on the part of these wise men. They've been reading and immersed in the Israeli-Jewish prophecies of a Messiah. They're going to see the Messiah. So the three gifts are also marks, we now learn, of the first temple royal priesthood. Philo of Alexandria in the first century tells us gold was in the vestments, on the vestments of the royal high priests. Frankincense was burned in the temple. And most importantly, and this blew my mind when I, when I came across this, Myrrh oil was kept in the Holy of Holies in the first temple of Jerusalem, it, not in any of the following temples, only the first temple. It was wow. used to anoint new members of the royal priesthood and kings. So when these wise men go out and risk their lives and cross the desert, with the, go on the three-day journey, face Herod, and find this child, their reasoning may have been to anoint the Messiah the final high priest, the eternal high priest, and to complete and restore the first temple of Jerusalem, the ancient ways. And in Hebrew, the wise men from the East also translates to wise men of the ancient times. So it all fits. It's, it's really fascinating. And it explains why this odd story of Magi, these, these Magi are at the top of this gospel account. Wow. So, I mean, this is, uh, 
I, mean, I have two follow-up questions, but uh, this mm-hmm. it's an amazing story, a, an amazing story. And I just want to remind everybody that we're on with Raymond Arroyo. He's the author of The Wise Men Who Found Christus, uh, Christmas. You uh, know him from EWTN and from Fox News. And uh, again, just a point of clarification. So when you're talking about the Holy of Holies, you're talking about where the Ark of the Covenant that contained the stone tablets of the Ten Commandments was. Yes, and, and where God dwells. They called it the mm-hmm. Holy of Holies because they, the, the Jews believed this is where God dwells, and right. that's where they kept the myrrh oil in the first temple priesthood, in the hot first high priesthood. Now, what happened is 700 years before Jesus, those, that priesthood, that first temple royal priesthood, they're expelled. They go into exile. Where do they go, Rich? Arabia. Mm-hmm. Arabia becomes the largest Jewish community in the Middle East. And uh, the, so this could very well be the descendants of the old royal priesthood keeping those ways alive, waiting for the Messiah to return, to go wow. and anoint him, be a part of him. So I, that may explain why Matthew opens his gospel with them and, uh, and why they've endured all these years, which is perplexing. I mean, look, there are a lot of people who've been dead for 2,000 years we don't talk about anymore. Why did these guys survive <laughs> in their story? It must have, have significance. So I created a family drama, a family adventure. Kids love it. I, I read it at the Museum of the Bible last week, and uh, nice. I've been at book signings all across the country, Barnes & Noble. It's been incredible. I love how children react to it, and I, I, I may love a little bit more the way adults react to it because they're getting a different story at the same time. It's neat. Yeah. So, folks, you heard it here first. The uh, Three Wise Kings, fake news, according to Raymond Arroyo's new book. Check it out. <laughs> the Wise Men Who Found Christmas. Make sure you get a couple of copies. They're great stocking stuffers. Excellent gift. Raymond's going to stick with us because I want to dig in a little bit to how we got to this place. My mind is still blown at the fake news of the three wise men and uh, and the real story that he's put out in his book. And I just want to make sure I get the title right. Make sure I have it right in front of me here. It's The Wise Men Who Found Christmas. Make sure you check out the book. Uh, now, Raymond Arroyo, uh, my question for you is, um, when you were a young lad, did you aspire to be a political and cultural commentator on the Catholic TV network and on the Fox News channel? Or did you have something else in mind? Well, all of this came together. Look, I, I, I think, you know, we, 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 when you follow your heart's desire, God always leads you to where you're supposed to be. All of these little threads in a life tend to come together. Uh, I, my, you know, my background, my training was in the theater. And I trained mm-hmm. with Stella Adler and Uta Hagen and uh, Beatrice Strait, these incredible kind of apostles of the American theater in New York. I, I went to NYU's Tisch School. Uh, I I'm a violet, too. Go violets. Go violets. Are you an NYU grad? I didn't graduate because I couldn't agree with their politics, but that's where I went to college. Wow. Yeah, well, my, both my wife and I are, are violets and or uh, maybe bobcats, I prefer. But uh, in any event, we graduated <laughs> from NYU. Um, and so my background was in the theater, but I've always, all through that experience, as an actor, as a director, as a writer, I, I told stories, and whether through my body and person or, or with the pen or on TV, it was, it was always trying to convey stories. And, you know, my, my mentor and friend and, and uh, acting teacher, Stella Adler, early on said, you get on the platform, we get on stage to remind people of their humanity and what it means to be human. And in many ways, Rich, I still do that. 
so, you know, all these stories are an outgrowth of that. I play all the characters when I write even something like The Wise Men Who Found Christmas um, mm. and or, or my middle grade fiction books or biographies. You know, it all of those skills come into play. Observation, mimicry, um, capturing a voice. Uh, and telling the story cleanly and, and exciting the audience, pacing and, and, and right. you know, a sense of drama. All of that is kind of innate because I've been doing it for so long. So um, I see it all as one piece. So I don't I, I, I in my mind, I never abandoned or left what I was doing initially. I'm still telling stories. I'm still a ham bone, um, still yeah. having some fun around the edges and trying to entertain people a little bit while they are, you know, while while informing them. Yeah, and I agree. I think that's the magic. The magic place, or the uh, the scientists would say, the correlation coefficient is being entertaining and informative in in the work that we do, oftentimes. But uh, my my uh, my thinking is, you're classically trained and and really well trained in um, in in theater and and in the performance arts, and and you are working in in conservative media and as an author how do you make that transition to me it's not really a transition it's just a it's adapting those techniques and those approaches to the task at hand and i mean you know here i'm yeah. telling stories that i'm reaching young audiences and middle middle age audiences i mean i write i don't write for children i write for families i call these family reads these picture books mm-hmm. because they're for the child today and the adult tomorrow, but it's the same person. The story will change on them as they age because it's got depth and there are layers to it that a child can't perceive now and only an adult can really see to the other side of. So that's part of what, you know, that's part of what I do. And the theater gave me that ability. And when I'm doing my segments on Fox or anywhere else, you know, you're looking for ways uh, that, that you can entertain people to get them to focus because nobody, you know, you, they're not required to watch you. You have to earn their respect <laughs> and, 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 and eyes and ears and attention. Um, and once I do that, I slip in new information around the edges, which is part of the journalistic instinct, you know, something new, but in an entertaining, fun, original package. That's what I try for, in, no matter what I'm doing, whether it's writing books of fiction or doing my segment on TV. Yeah, and let me just say, I share this philosophy with you, and I'll share with the audience and with you that um, my, um, I remember, I don't know, so if my daughter's 21 now, at least that long ago, because I remember sitting on the couch with her as a newborn, watching you on EWTN, and uh, and, and I thought, wow, I didn't know such programming existed. I mean, because there was some of the, um, I don't remember their names, but there was a, a famous, um, a very famous, I'm forgetting her name. I'm sure you'll remember. She was a little bit heavy set. She was a nun and she was like very stern. There you go. She was terrific. (laughs) She was terrific. She was a great gift. Yeah. My mentor and friend, Mother Angelica, who, you know, is the, by the way, the first woman in the history of uh, broadcast to found and lead her own television network for 20 years. She was the first. So she's quite an incredible woman. I, in fact, I wrote her biography. It's the first, it's the first nonfiction book I wrote was her biography. Um, wow. And it, 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 in fact, her, her hundredth anniversary is coming up this year. So uh, quite a lady, quite a mentor and uh, talk about a great story. Well, oh, a child oh, of terrific. divorce abandoned in Canton, Ohio becomes a nun, uh, you know, goes to Birmingham, Alabama to pray for racial healing and starts it ends up building the largest religious media empire in the world 
in Birmingham, Alabama. Incredible. Yeah, amazing. Amazing. And, and, I, and I, I remember being drawn uh, to, to when, when, when she was on and then saying, wow, uh, you know, there's just such a such nuance. And, and your show was the only one that I could remember that covered current events. And it was, you know, it gave me a reason to not switch to um, to the, the news channels. And I just thought this yeah, was fantastic. Well, it's been great. And, it's and, been and great. I'm glad that you're you're still at it. And, um, and and your philosophy on on using your artistic ability uh, in the rest of your work is really kind of how I see life in 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 every aspect right ultimately i think it's all of our skills that we use to kind of do all of the work that we do whether it's volunteerism or our professional work or whatever and what have you so i appreciate well, you kind serve of the audience articulating i mean that. that's what you do you serve the audience uh, right. you know every day and you and and we try to bring them something new and hopefully uh, inspire them a little bit along with the horrible things we have to report every day. This is my sanity, Rich. This is these books, the children's books, the family reads. Um, these are really my um, escapes to joy in the midst of what we have to cover on a daily basis. So I, I love this work. I love meeting with families and mm-hmm. people around the country. It's the things they tell you to meet your audience, to see them. It's really a gift. I mean, you hear from them every night. I, I don't. So it's, it's really nice to get out and see them and, and, and spend a little time with them. And I think the right word is gift. So, folks, get a couple. Give them as gifts. The book is The Wise Men Who Found Christmas. It's on Amazon. You can get it wherever good books are available. Raymond Arroyo is the author. You know him from Fox and EWTN. Raymond Arroyo, thank you for being here with us again. It's a pleasure. Thank you, my friend. And Merry Christmas to you. Merry Christmas to you. Amen to that, brother. Thank you. All right, folks, there is more to come straight ahead. We'll be right back. I'm Rich Valdez. This is America. This is America. Para Inglés, o primo número dos. Para Rich Valdez. Y esto es America. Ahora. All right, America, welcome back. Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of these social media. And it is a bittersweet moment. We don't have a lot of time left together, but I do want to just thank you, Philly. Thank you, South Jersey. Thank you, Delaware. Thank you, everybody in the WPHT area listening audience, because it's been a pleasure these last several years with you guys. And, of course, I want to give a big shout-out to Greg Stocker and... Frank Canali and uh, my guy Rich Zioli and and Dawn and every the brand new morning show Dom Giordano just everybody at WPHT uh, excellent radio station great place to be I do have a brand new syndicated show that I hope you guys will listen to and I hope the suits at WPHT will pick up and it's a three hour per night Monday through Friday show from ten o'clock at night to one o'clock in the morning. So that's where I'll be. If you're looking for me, I'll be doing a live show every weeknight, late night radio. This is the old Larry King show that was um, succeeded by Jim Bohannon, the late, great Jim Bohannon. And Westwood has hired me to to fill that uh, slot on the air. And it's an honor and a privilege to do so. I've also um, resigned my position with the great one, Mark Levin, uh, which has also been an, uh, an amazing adventure. I'll continue to do fill-in work for the great one. So you might hear me there every now and again. But I did just want to thank all of you as I take this next step in my career. It's been an honor and a blessing, and I hope you'll hear more of me. Hopefully, you'll hear my show, America at Night with Rich Valdez, on this station, and you can hear it on hundreds of others across the country. 
And it is my hope that you'll hear the weekend recap here and you'll also get it weeknights eventually uh, as time permits and as uh, the scheduling and contracting permits because it becomes a little convoluted and difficult. But I want to wish you a Merry Christmas. I want to wish you a Happy New Year. Godspeed to you. You guys are one of the best audiences in talk radio, hands down. WPHT, the uh, flagship coming out of Philly, 50,000 powerful watts, and it is a pleasure. Like I always say, if you stand for nothing, you'll fall for anything. So you got to stand for something. Hasta la próxima. Until the next time, America. Take care. God bless. And remember, I am Rich Valdez. And this is America. This is America. 